This episode of the Buffalonian Podcast is brought to you by the Cast Source Podcast Network, a podcast network built with and for entrepreneurs. We cover many genres, including sports, business, mental health, marketing, and entertainment. We feature the podcast shows such as Sports Bring People Together, Limitless, Saviors of the Metaverse, and the Athletic Mindset. Learn more at castsource.com slash podcast. And without further ado, let's get into the Buffalonian Podcast. It is for the Bills. Stephon Diggs is leaving the Buffalo Bills, according to most fans. In the Sabres, goalies cannot take the reins, just let it rip. Along with hot takes, trivia, and more, this is the Buffalonian Podcast. All right, let's go. We are back with the Buffalonian podcast. I'm Joe Callie, and as always, I'm joined by Dom Lawson, Mike Marino, and fellas. You heard it in the intro there. It's red alert. The nukes are coming. Everyone get down. We, we're not gonna be we're not gonna know what to do with ourselves. Stefan Diggs is leaving the Bills. Not oh my god, we're gonna talk about that a little bit here on today's episode, but just you know. The off-season diva he is. He does it every year. Everyone falls for it. That's why he does it every year. So, But first, we have some talking points. So last pod, we talked about talked about who we would be comfortable with the Bills taking at pick 27 in the draft, right? Or the pod before. I don't know. We, we chatted about it at some point. Down a few. Do, do you remember which one it was? Last pod, we talked about positions. We'd be okay with them taking them. We all... I think he unanimously agreed that kicker was the number one option. Absolutely, yep. Um, Tyler Bass is out, so yeah, kicker number one option. Mike, you you, you remember we we chat about that? Uh, I, I'd have to say punter. Sorry, I'm oh. disagree. Come on, guys. I, I think long snapper might be uh, mm. been there, done that with the. Punter. I just trade up for one of those guys, so they might be gone by the time. It feels... Yeah, you're right. You're unfortunately, right. but we forgot to talk about a fantastic position. My personal favorite, one of my personal favorite positions, tight end. Taking a tight end at 27. Dom, if you want to elaborate on uh, Baby Gronk, go ahead. It's all you, buddy. Yeah, I think it's an interesting conversation. I think the immediate answer is directly no because they just paid Dawson Knox top five money and they don't run double tight ends that much. I mean, we've seen time and time again where like the tight end two in this offense is not very good. Yeah. Um, even when Dable was here, I mean, what Tyler Croft had like that one game against the Rams where he caught two touchdowns. Like the, the tight end position has never been a position where the Josh really looks for, I think, either. So I think it's interesting because you already have a top five tight end in terms of money paid pretty much. He's still an above average tight end. I mean, I think it's an interesting thought process, but. It would have been it would be interesting if like Dawson Knox was going into his final year of his contract. Like I don't know how appealing it is after he just signed I think it's a four or five I can't remember if it's four or five years, but an extension just just last offseason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I agree with you. Again, we all unanimously agreed kicker minus Mike actually. He went punter. So 
Um, it's not our personal pick for the first round, but I am, I'm, I'm all for it. I, I, I'm not necessarily all for it, but like you said, if Dawson Knox is coming down to the wire, like it makes sense, but not after we paid him top tight end money to barely play uh, receiving tight end. He was only used to block because our offensive line is a slice of Swiss cheese. So I think if different circumstances, I'd be okay with it. Lower in the draft, I don't think I would mind it. Just another receiving threat at tight end, if if available. You know what I mean? That kind of a thing. But what do you think, Mike? No, I agree. Like, there's no need to do it because, you know, we don't run two tight end sets all that much. Plus, it's not like tight end's ever been a focal point of this offense. And, um, you know, I know we talked about, like, on older pods, like, how they could implement the tight end more. Like, maybe use him more as like a slot receiver type of thing and like get him involved. Cause I mean, you're paying him all this money and you really don't even use him all that much. So there's really, it really wouldn't be the best decision to take a tight end 27, but like, yeah, if you take one like mid late round to add depth, cause I don't really know who's still under contract after this year, probably Quentin Morris. I don't know if Tommy Sweeney still has a contract or not. Uh, but I, I would assume not Tommy. I don't I think, think Tommy. A, I think he's a free agent. So I think yeah. Yeah. So, like, I mean, you could add depth to the position, but, like, you're not bringing anyone to compete with uh, Dawson Knox for the starting job. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. It is one of the better tight ends class in recent memory everyone's talking about, like, that Darnell Washington's a freak from Georgia. Mm-hmm. He had a monster combine, so that was good for the Bills from the perspective of he's probably going to be drafted ahead of 27. So, again, that's another player that, Maybe the Bills wouldn't have drafted. Is now probably gonna be drafted ahead of them. So then it puts everyone's like the draft order back one. Yeah, um, Myers obviously. I mean, I'm being a Notre Dame fan. He's just like a two way freak. I mean, he, he's a yeah. great blocker, and he's he's not the most athletic receive uh, tight end in the world, but he's like Zach Ertz, where he's just kind of always open. You don't really know how sometimes, but like against anyone, he's kind of unguardable. Um. For me, like if I agree, I think tight end would be an interesting position to target, maybe like late day two pick because there's going to be a lot of talent um, mm-hmm. to draft. And like if they pick 27, I just it would be different if they had like a reputation of using their tight ends well and like they showed that they'd be interested in doing double tight end action. Because I think having a double tight end action would be like if they had like Meyer and Knox would be pretty sick, but like. They haven't shown any any of us that ability. So, like, if they actually made it, like, this pick, like, I don't know how you could grade it, like, above, like, a C because, like, how would you know they're going to use them? You know, they struggled so much last year using their weapons properly. How would you know they're going to use double tight ends properly? Like, I, I, I don't know. I think that would be my fear is that there's no, like, I mean, there's no evidence or data to back up the fact that they're going to use if they pick a tight end at 27 correctly. Now, Grant, is they going to pick a tight end in the second or third round correctly? Like, I don't know either. But at that point, maybe the talent and like the position really doesn't matter at that point. No, absolutely. I'm I I agree with you. I mean, it's definitely interesting, right? I mean, as we're nearing the draft, talking about these, you know, possible ways the Bills could go. Um, you know, it's what's what the only thing exciting in the sport of football right now, minus the XFL, if you're into that. I mean, it's it's pretty cool. Well, part of the Lamar saga. Yeah, yeah. But is that, I mean, 
is that the best th- the best to take right away no i agree with you guys let's just maybe grab one day two um it'll be interesting to see the depth i think of the bills draft this year with brandon bean um he's been known to draft pretty well for the bills and whatnot as we've seen um but just like where they who they target i think is the question um People are saying, like I mentioned last week, Bijan Robinson first round. No, please no. Like, we're gonna trade for Derrick Henry. We'll talk about that. Um, mm-hmm. but, but speaking of change, so Leslie Frazier decides to take the season on his couch. Right, he's taking a season off. He said he's returning to coaching, but not specifically to the Bills. So uh, he might not. He might not be back. But McDermott is likely to call the plays on defense. And I'm okay with that. I think deep down, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I, I remember a um, couple, I think we talked about this last pod too, a couple games ago or a couple years ago when him and Frazier were first really starting their tandem, Frazier was just fumbling the bag. Like they were not, the defense was not performing and McDermott like took it straight from them and ran it. And we had a pretty solid defense uh, for the rest of the game. And it was just, I think McDermott's a little more aggressive personally on defense than Frazier was. So I think that's something we're looking for, that defensive edge. But what, what do you what do you guys think about Sean McDermott running this this defense coming up on this season? No, I mean I think it's it's fine. Like I'm not overly concerned about it. The only thing that kind of like worries me is now not that Sean McDermott had a huge hand in the offense, but now you're really relying on Ken Dorsey. Mm-hmm. to have complete control of the offense. And, I mean, granted, it was his first year as a coordinator, so you're going to learn there's going to be some growing pains, but do you trust him enough to have complete control? Because McDermott, you know, you can't have be calling plays for defense and worrying about, like, um, fixing the offense and all that, too. Like, that's way too much responsibility for him. So I think it was smart that we have – he'll come in now because he's like a senior assistant or whatever he is. So like he'll be of assistance and like helping develop the defense. And if he needs to step in and call plays, I feel like he can, but I think just, I'm not opposed to the decision because I think McDermott would be fine at calling plays. I think from how I see it is that you're now putting a lot of faith in Ken Dorsey to be dialed in every game. Yeah. Yeah, definitely would have to be concerned with his overall coaching on game day and throughout the week. You know, as you said, with the offense, you know, he made such strides the last couple of years, you know, calling timeouts, one to go for it, one not to go for it. I, You know, you got to wonder, if that, does that get impacted because he can't, you know, fully put his mind to that? I don't know. I think that's where we saw Holcomb, you know, I guess I, I would doubt they hire, a, a, you know, even a title DC. I guess Holcomb was the title DC with that assistant title. So he's probably going to be the one that, like, helps, like, make in-game adjustments and, and and coaches up the defense, kind of what Frazier would do on the sidelines because McDermott obviously just can't, like, be in every huddle because he's got to focus on the, the offense or the special teams, whatever is going on really on the field. So I think that's where the – the addition of Holcomb is big is that he's going to be able to do kind of that part of the DC role where McDermott can only can focus on just like calling plays and just being a standard head coach. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, again, I, he's probably a little bit more aggressive, but at the end of the day, like, this is still strong. I don't think we're going to see that much change. I mean, right. maybe we right. see some, 
you know, with a new state, maybe we see some new wrinkles to disguise coverage better. Maybe we see some new blitz packages. But other than that, like, it's mostly going to be same old, same old. I mean, this has been a top defense the last couple of years. It's just like, is Sean McDermott the right play caller come playoff time? Because Leslie Frazier, unfortunately, was not. Mm-hmm. Even though how great Leslie Frazier was the other 15-plus games of the year, like, he always had a couple games the regular season he wasn't too good, and he had always in the playoffs seemed to come short. So, Yeah, and- the divisional round was his uh, kryptonite for most of it. He made it to one AFC championship, and we got stomped by the Kansas City Chiefs. So, yeah, I think that's that's going to be – the Ken Dorsey thing, I, I I think, to Mike's point, is the the not scariest thing, but that's like the thing lingering in the back of your mind, that little worm back there saying, "Hey, uh, our second year OC is going to be doing this, you know, pretty pretty much on his own." Which I think he did already, you know, this season. I don't know how much of a hand McDermott truly did have, but um, now it's, you know, as they would say it. Uh, no, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say balls to the wall, but you know, that, that, I, I ended up saying it. Anyway, sure, right. so you it said even, it anyway. Doesn't, yeah. It doesn't even matter. So I, I think it's just kind of a, you know, Dorsey will have it in full flack, just, you know, not, not really able to, to fall on anyone. But then again, that didn't happen this year. So now moving on, Stefan Dix. Okay. We talked about this. I, I mentioned this in the intro. This is the Twitter warriors of the off season have come out to play. The Instagram warriors have come out to play. The social media warriors have come out to play. All right. Like, oh my gosh, he unfollowed the Bills and he's following the Cowboys. His brother plays for the Cowboys. Like, take a second. And it's just, I don't know. People people get too worried. Like, Don, we we talked about this off off pod last night. It'd be too detrimental for the Bills to trade him just money-wise. Like, we would be completely screwed if that were, you know. If, if, if that ended up happening, I mean, if you want to, if you want to speak to that a little bit, just like where, what would happen on if, if we let him go? Well, they just have like a massive dead cap because of all the money they've already invested in them. Yeah. You know, they're able to spread that money throughout the last, well, how many years left he has? That was kind of like six or seven years left. Yeah. Six contract. years, I think. Yeah. So it's just one of those situations where it's, it's never going to happen because the, the it would hurt the bills so much more than it would help. Like, <laughs> They, you think like maybe in the short term, like losing a player like that would be terrible. The short term money would be terrible. Like you'd just be punting on the season at that point. And like, what would that do for the locker room, you know, team captain, all that jazz? Like, I think again at this point, like I feel like yeah, as a fan, I think it's frustrating. I think it's semi, I would say annoying and maybe a little bit childish on Diggs's end. But at the same time, that's kind of who he is and. I think the sooner everyone kind of just accepts that he's just going to be a, like a smoke thrower, like, you know, you got you to gotta kind of move on from it and just take the smoke as it is. I mean, there's no way the Bills will trade him this offseason. No. And no. Listen, no. Is he happy about what happened at the end of the year? No. Nor is anyone else. So, like, I guess it's good to have some, you know, motivation, some, you know, fire mentality. But at the same time, like, would it be nice for him to maybe rein himself in just a tad? Sure, but that's I mean, Diggs is a very emotional guy and that's kind of his personality. So you just kinda of have to understand that. I feel like every number one receiver has a little bit of that in them and you just kinda of have to when you see it, just acknowledge that what's happening and not overblow it like certain people did last, you know, the other day saying that they should look to trade him. 
yeah uh look to trade yeah i don't know, I don't know. so i think so bad. i think like you look how he got out of minnesota like it was kind of like that he was like labeled a diva and all that so like i think we knew kind of what we were getting ourselves into when we acquired him like we knew him coming here wasn't just going to get rid of all that i think i think he just kind of is frustrated with how the season went how they didn't really show up in the playoff game and now it's been three years he's been here. In three years, they've had a shot to make the Super Bowl. In three years, they've come up short. And, you know, he came here to win. Like, And I think we lost. We lost. <laughs> you have that franchise quarterback. You have this team that's. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Internet's always poor on my end. <laughs> um. No, it's all good. I think we get the gist of what you're saying. I but mean, I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll cut it quick here. Like he just wants to win, and they've come up short every year. And plus, he wasn't getting the looks at the end of the year he did at the start. So it's mm-hmm. just frustrating on his end for not getting the looks and coming up short overall. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's that's just the biggest thing at the end of the day. Like, you know, these guys are competitors. That's their livelihood. You know, that that's what they're being paid to be. And Diggs is a top tier competitor. I mean, he's got that that spirit to him. He's got the ego for a competitor and whatnot. Like he wants the ball when he wants it, like that kind of a thing. Like and to not have a game in the divisional round, pretty much to barely be targeted because everything was just failing on all cylinders. It's like I, I think I, I think we'd all be frustrated in that sense. You know what I mean? And especially you know, 13 seconds, the classic picture of him in the AFC championship doing this, looking at the chief ceremony, like there, there, there have been multiple things that could set some, a normal person over the edge. And I feel like we're not over the edge yet with him necessarily, but yes, there is some base frustration there. And that's to be expected with, cause you know, same old bills. It's always, always the same with the bills, you know? Well, yeah, I, th- I think it's just, He's a comp- end day is the competitor. The way they've lost the last three years have been frustrating. But I think every listen, thirty one of the thirty two teams have a frustrating loss at the end of the year. Right. Yeah. I mean, so well, I guess like I guess if you miss the playoffs, you could potentially win the last week of the year. But the point still stands. Like thirty one of the thirty two teams, you know, are frustrated by the end of the season how the how the season played out. And you know, he said it best that they weren't them at the end of the season. Like they, it just felt like the vibes were off. And Listen, rookie OC Josh being banged up like the season, the second half of the season did not go all everything they went through off the field. Um, the season just didn't turn out to be what it was, you know, built up to be. So, yeah, I think it's frustrating from a perspective of this is a guy on the edge of 30. You know, how many more years does he have left of that elite, you know, talent level? I think from his perspective, yeah, I think like he thought he was going to be able to make first team all pro by the way he was playing in the beginning of the year. And then all of a sudden, like his numbers kind of dip and all of a sudden he's second team all pro and Devontae Adams passed him up for first team. Like, I think that has to be, you know, annoying for someone as competitive as Diggs. So there's yeah. nothing really the Bills could do other than win, to be honest. And they've done a lot of that. It's just time to now, you know, get a run together in the postseason. Yeah, and that I think honestly, like if we get some pieces, it's gonna be uh, gonna be interesting. I think we're right there. We know we're on the cusp, you know. And our quarterback's elbow hopefully will not be hindered, like apparently it still was at the end of the season. Um, 
to quote and Lady Gaga, we're on the edge of glory. We're on the <laughs> it's fantastic. Lady Gaga. Oh my god. But do you remember when she skydove at the Super clip Bowl it. and like clip it, clip it, clip it, clip it. You remember when she skydove at the Super Bowl? <laughs> I, I wrote like, that down. down. <laughs> it's going on the TikTok. If if any of you want to follow the TikTok, go ahead. You'll see this. You'll see this coming back around. <laughs> I almost I almost didn't say it, and, then, and I was like, man, I'm just gonna inject and say it. Why not? Full send. No. You start yelling feed. You Nine a.m. Like, it's, it's the full same send. Thing. Full send. Everything. But speaking of trades, free agency, all that, all that good stuff. There were some franchise tags given out, but none by the Buffalo Bills. Where some people thought it would be by or to uh, Edmonds or Poyer, you know, and. No news, no news, no trade, no anything, no franchise tag. I mean, Danny Dimes is getting forty million a year. I mean, that's absolutely insane. But I think it's just, yeah. Who else? Who Lamar else got Bills, franchise? Lamar Jackson got for franchise tag. He got but, non. Got like, he got like non-exclusive franchise tag, so like people could still offer him. Gotcha. It's like an, R, it's like an RFA offer in, suitability in NHL. I gotcha. Yeah, and then Josh Jacobs Saquon. got franchise tagged. Yep. Saquon. I just don't understand. If we're just going to very quickly sidetrack, I don't yeah. understand why the Giants have just done the did the you know Daniel Jones contract and then franchise tag Barkley when they could literally just be paying Lamar that money. Like, why why would they do that? I I, I, I digress. I just think that was stupid. But. No, I mm-hmm. mean they got Daniel Dime Dan, Daniel Dimes. They've got Danny Dimes for like four years now with that money, and that to me is just unreal. I Giants fans are not happy. If you go on Giants TikTok Twitter, they are uh, they are not not really feeling this move compared to well, how it would have been. It's it's another it's another year and it's another contract that just makes Josh Allen's forty three mil look pretty nice right now. Yeah, especially when we're right. about to see. I mean, we gotta assume Lamar's contract is gonna come up eventually. Like I well, feel like time, and then we also have we also have Burrow and Herbert. Probably, I don't think Tua's gonna get a deal because of his durability, but like those guys are probably gonna get probably north of fifty. I would assume maybe. So like again. Well, the, the yeah. I'm giving. Well, yeah, I mean, and you got to think when we take state income tax out, he's only getting about 22 million a year, so it looks even better when you think about it. After <laughs> you know, after 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 taxes and whatnot, you know. But that's something. I don't know. It, it's just seeing all these guys get tagged. Josh Jacobs got the running backs are just getting absolutely screwed by franchise tags. I mean, it's like, like. Because no no one's gonna no one resign them. Like I, I just I don't understand. I wonder what that's gonna do with Devin Singletary's market. Yeah, yeah. Probably help him out. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point, actually. Very good point. Because you know, the king might be coming to the bills, but we'll we'll throw that in after we talk about the combine a little bit. But what are your general thoughts on the combine so far? I mean, or do you believe the Richardson hype? Like what what's going what's going on here? I mean, this just been pretty interesting to watch i've only tuned into a little bit i see most of it on tiktok and social media and whatnot but what are your, what are your general thoughts about the combine well, so far? yeah i mean it, it ended sunday again mm-hmm. they're probably gonna hope 
I don't know if it's still going to be in Indianapolis next year or the previous. It's one of those years where the deal's almost up, but it's a good spot for it to be at. Yeah. And all that. But, yeah, I mean, I feel like every year, like, you finish the combine and then just a bunch of random, like, the rumor mill just, like, kicks mm-hmm. up like a notch for a couple of days. Like, all the stuff that Rich Eisen was saying about Brady to the Dolphins and then Brady kind of, like, debunking it. It seems like it's either going to be Aaron Rodgers either goes to Green Bay, retires, or goes to the Jets. Like, we'll see with that. I mean, I think that one's pretty legit, but, like, I don't know. Like, the fact that everyone's saying it's Bryce Young and C.J. Shroud is one and two, and then Richardson was the big riser. I I, I truly will say Bryce Young being five that tight is insane. I know Kyler Murray was that, but Kyler Murray had a way better arm and Kyler Murray was also like built, like he was like built out. Like Bryce Young, that was all like that was that two hundred and four pounds was the definition of water weight. Like <laughs> that was up all night just chugging gallons of water. Mm-hmm. Like he must have felt taking like, fluid retention pills. Yeah, just he must have on. like three IVs in. Like he must have felt like he was like <laughs> a hot air balloon at that point, like just about to fly away, but. No, dude, like, I, I again, like, I, I, I like Bryce Young as a player, but, like, as a prospect, like, I just don't, I don't know. I feel like if I was drafting, I probably would take Richardson one, but, I mean, that's just a, again, but that's, like, the biggest risk. I guess I'm more of a risk taker than that, like, mm-hmm. that, but, I mean, Shroud had the best performance on the field. I think Anthony Richardson, though, won the combine. Yeah, I mean... I, listen, I was really – I was only watching to see Stetson Bennett. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, the big, big old man about Josh Allen's age in the NFL Combine. Like, absolutely – that's crazy to me. I, I still think it's unreal. But, um, no, I thought it was very interesting to watch. I do like it in Indianapolis. I think it is a good neutral location, I feel like. Um, and seeing some of these records get broken in the quarterback category um, – Higher, higher vertical than OBJ's record for wide res- or something like that. I saw like that. That to me is for a quarterback. I mean, you're looking at peak Lamar Jackson. Like that's Lamar Jackson up a level right there, and how fast he was in that deep well, bomb. Like I can't so, even believe uh, that. Like that was un- that was unreal. Everyone talks about Anthony Richardson has Josh Allen tools. I'm just gonna say it right now, Josh Allen ain't running a four four in the forty. No, like, no. It's, 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 I mean that dude has. Josh Allen tools plus so exactly I guess that's the reason why I mean that's the big reason why he is such a big draw even though he struggled in college is that if if you're in the right system like that man's gonna go off yeah yeah. I think that's the comparison to Josh Allen coming into the league with a 59% completion percentage and then look at him now I mean one of the better best quarterbacks in the league as of right now so I think anyone has those hopes and dreams it might be the Tennessee Titans we don't know so Speaking of the Tennessee Titans, the king, Derrick Henry, is heavily, heavily. The Bills are plus 300, have the highest odds of landing Derrick Henry. It's the most probable landing spot. Also for Leonard Fournette, apparently, which I would be very upset at if that actually happened. <laughs> um, I, if we if we pass up Derrick Henry for Leonard Fournette, the front office needs to be cleared out, completely cleared out. But Oh, geez. I, I personally, I like this move a lot if we go for Derrick Henry. Because it's just 28 minutes. <laughs> there we go. There we go. We're at it. We're at it. More. <laughs> 28 We're at it. zero, quote unquote. The front oh. office needs to be cleared oh. out. 
oh comma geez (laughs) (laughs) oh man no i uh i think derrick henry would be a big addition to this this offense because we do have pass catching running backs right Mm -hmm. and then now we have we would have a huge power back i understand he's older right the dude's built like a linebacker though and can run bigger than than bond he can run faster than a bus in a school zone. I mean, let's just be honest here. All right. Like, like this guy, I think, I think it would be an awesome, awesome grab for the Bills. So I don't know what you guys, your guys' thoughts are on this, but Bills are plus 200, I mean, highest odds in the NFL to land them. So I mean, I would definitely be for it because then it shows. Well, if you get Derrick Henry, though, I think it shows that you're willing to commit more to the run than you have been. And mm-hmm. we've seen in recent history, the Bills have never really had a true power back no like the last time they used anyone that was remotely a power back and what i can think of is like mike gillisbert or tolbert yeah Tolbert. Yeah, he was a fullback yeah. i was gonna say booby dixon but that was a good pull. <laughs> but like Tolbert. oh i remember like, him <laughs> yeah so like you know derrick henry he's someone that's gonna just run right through you and like it's hard to bring him down like we've seen how dominant he can be saw how dominant he was against the bills a few years ago like he is a game changer and yeah, he's 29 years old. He's kind of past, I would say probably past his prime, not past his prime, but like he's going to be on the downslide, but he signed for, I think three more one years. Year. And I think a oh, one year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. Then <laughs> I don't know where I saw three years. I guess I'm just, I, I think that like I one year, 11 million or something like that. The thought process is that you would trade for him and extend them and then you lower his cap hit through doing that. Yeah. But anyway, I would definitely bring him in because it, it would be the first time since we've had Shady that we've had a elite running back. and Not 2018 Shady. He was bad 2018. But um, I think it'd be a nice compliment because you have him who can just be a power back. And then you have James Cook, who can be in a receiving elusive back. And then you still have Naheem Hines, who's more of a small back. Like, yeah. it seems like throughout the Bills past decade, we've always had these smaller, more elusive backs. And I feel like the thing it's we've time been lacking. For the big guy. Exactly. We need someone like Derrick Henry's like Josh Allen size. Like, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you want him to take these runs and these hits rather than your quarterback? Because that just keeps Josh Allen healthier now. Like, I'm yeah. not saying Allen's not a threat anymore running, but it keeps him healthier because, you know, it's been it's been proven that last year he was banged up and we struggled. So we got to keep him as healthy as possible. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say this. As being on the on the board of the James Cook stand club, uh, I'm so out in this move. Really? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's like, – uh, listen, I, I understand from the perspective of your – it's probably low draft capital because the Titans are idiots and they – Signed Ryan Tannehill to that huge contract extension, so they had to trade AJ Brown last year, and now they're probably going to trade Derrick Henry this year. I mean, the amount of star players that have been linked to the Bills that just never happen. I feel like everyone is just instantly Bills, Bills, Bills. I mean, Saquon was before he was franchise tagged, mm-hmm. OBJ all last year, like JJ Watt. That was a big one for a while. Watt, like I think it's cool in theory, and like yeah, it could work out because you could give him like a fifth round pick and extend them and lower his cap it so it wouldn't kill you, but. Like, I think you already have an effective running back on your roster. It's just all about utilization. And I think that's why I'm out is because Ken Dorsey proved – it's the same thing at the Titans point. Like, he proved that he couldn't utilize Dawson Knox. And then last year, he really proved that he couldn't utilize James Cook until the very end of the year. And even that, like, they couldn't even utilize him in the passing game. Like, am I supposed to believe that 
he's going to be able to utilize Derek Henry to his full ability? No. Right. So at that yeah. point, I'm paying a 29-year-old running back who in the future is going to have a massive cap hit for me, who the last two years has had significant injuries, who's also had like some of the biggest workload in the entire NFL and was had a huge workload while he's at Bama. So like you got to wonder, like, I mean, running backs don't age very gracefully, especially you know, really power backs. Well, yeah, power backs could age in the fact of like they could just run forwards, but you got to wonder how shot his legs are going to be. I know he's like just built. I mean, in the phrase built different, but I mean, like, yeah, I mean, this, yeah, guy, like, I, this guy is built different. My mind is James Cook's RB1. They find a complimentary back. And I don't think Derek, I don't, I just don't think investing heavily in the running back is a smart move. The same thing with tight end. I don't think either of those are like putting massive investments down on those. I don't. I just don't think are 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 the move, especially when you have the man that's legend, Jimbo. Yeah. No. I I I agree. I I don't necessarily agree. Like I I still would want Derrick Henry, but like I I can see where you're coming from with that. But I think so. In your thing, mind, in your mind, all those players that that we listed are on the Bills, though. In my mind, yeah, absolutely. JJ yeah. Watt. JJ Watt. JJ Watt didn't have an, a hard issue this year, and he actually stayed in the NFL. He's still he's he's our number one uh, defenseman this year. He actually received the Walter Payton Man of the Year award last year. He's you know he's really he's really going crazy. Defensive Player of the Year, JJ Watt on the Buffalo Bills. So I think the thing with me, two time Walter Payton Man of the Year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, nice. I you think the thing those little yeah, his little patch. Yeah. He has two of them. Yeah. <laughs> I think the thing with me is we use Naheem Hines as the gadget receiver. Get Isaiah McKenzie just out of here. He's gone, right? Butterfingers, McKenzie, can't do anything this season. Um, and we use Naheem Hines as that gadget, which I think he'd be perfect for in the returner. And you use him on some run plays, absolutely. Then you have James Cook, who I think you're going to see a lot, a big jump from this year, this coming season. And then... What you know, fourth and three, you want to send Josh Allen? No, no, you don't. No, you don't. You don't want to you don't want to hurt a UCL again or tear an ACL. You don't want to do that. Send send big boy Derrick Henry through the line. Come on. Send him oh, through I, the line. That that would know. be that would be that would be the way to go. I I mean, come on, come on, come on. Derrick Henry is the down at running back in the backfield, and you have a developing running back in James Cook. You completely would kill James Cook by trading for Derrick Henry. So you think? At that point, you would waste the top 55 pick, or what? I can't even remember. What you James think it'd be like if Jack Uck was still on the team and Tage Thompson wouldn't have developed? You think that would happen if Derrick Henry came and James I, Cook? I, I don't know if it's that aspect, but it would be like if you had a stud, like if Devin Levi was playing right now for the Sabres and they went on and traded like a legit starting like goaltender. Like at that point, like who are you going to ride with the legit starting goaltender? And then Devin Levi would only get X amount of games because of that. That's kind of what James. Yeah. If you trade for Derrick Henry, you're you're limiting, you're putting a cap on James Cook's carries, and mm-hmm. there he kind of did that last year to kind of get him the through the rookie wall of, you know, Singletary. Like, yeah, I think you got to worry about the sophomore slump, but for me, it's like they got to give James Cook more touches. But they they just got to find a Singletary esque player in the fact of just another guy that could carry the ball. Leonard Fournette. No. They that that um sorry to like interrupt but like there you go kind of coming back to the draft you know like with Diggs he has a relationship with the uh, the Maryland running back probably like a mid round pick 
It, yeah, I mean, the, the running back class is very good this year. Same mm-hmm. with and so, and also the Maryland wide receivers, you know. So maybe maybe Baron Bean is like, hey, I, I got happy here. Let's bring in some Maryland boys. Wait, did he go to Maryland or something? Like, he I did don't... go to Maryland. I remember. What yeah. about a guy? Scott, yeah, Diggs he has a good connection with the, the running back. What's his name? Um, I think his last name's like Ibrahim or something. Oh, and there's two. Yeah, and then there's two wide receivers that were, like, saying how Diggs has been a mentor to them. So, like, you know, maybe the Bills should take advantage of that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's very interesting. I, I think there's a lot of ways the Bills can go. I think Derrick Henry is going to be on that list with J.J. Watt and all those guys of, you know, as much as we'd like to see them here, it's unlikely a, with the way the Bills go. What a but. fall from the Titans from being the one seed in the AFC to now being terrible. Yeah, they, they're starting to rebuild, and they were the number one Although, seed last year. They did like, say insane. they did say they will wear the Oilers jerseys for one game next year. It's Positives. also rumored the Bills people. are bringing back the red helmets for one game next year. I guess or a couple games. Pos- Positives, people. Pos- what did the Bills do with the standing Buffalo jerseys? They just threw they them forgot out? about them. They Those only nice went jerseys. They only went blue on blue this year. If you noticed, there was no that blue was... on white. It was just blue on blue. <laughs> Those were nice jerseys, though. Like, you know, got to sprinkle in the throwback, sprinkle in the, the full reds, and then if you get the red helmet back, like, come on. You know, here's the Aesthetic question. Aesthetic, sell. Red helmet, bleh, with red jerseys. Do not do that. Do not throw all red. No, red there. helmet with a blue jersey and white pants all day. If they do it with the all reds, I'm going to freak, because that's just going to look disgusting on, on out on the field. I'm going to be honest with you. But... We're getting off track here. We're getting into fashion, and that's not what this podcast is about. So, I think that does it for the Bills, right? Anything? Any other random thoughts you want to? Either you want to toss in? Um, I just want to give a shout out to that offensive lineman at the combine who did like thirty-eight reps on one leg. That was pretty impressive. Hey, he could be a you know he could be a sneaky late day three pick now because he's going to as a redshirt NFL prospect. Yeah. yeah. Did you look at that? You know, things are happening. Things are happening. We're coming up to the draft. It's getting getting real. Trades are happening. Franchise tags happened. Can't anymore. But that's going to do it for this Bills talk on this episode of the Buffalonian Podcast. And we'll be right back with some Sabres. But before that, just want to bring up the Sports Bring People Together podcast. You should listen for entrepreneurial conversations with those in sports. And who knows where the chats will take you, but sports got us all here together in the first place. Find this show wherever you listen to your podcast or simply visit sportseplus.com. And now it is time. It's that time of the week for that Buffalo Sabres talk. And oh my God, that game last night against the Islanders. That was tough. That was extremely tough. Just watching it, I, I was. It was so close, yet so far it felt like I don't know. They played, they played okay. Like it's I not mean, like they're, it's, it's not like they're been, pooping the bed. You know I what mean, I mean? Listen, the last two nights they tried so hard and came so far, but in the end, it didn't even matter. Like, no, it did not even matter. Forty-five thirty. Yep. Yep. We're quoting, we're quoting songs. But, now. Okay, so Lincoln like Park. the with the Sabers, I mean, like that was a big loss last night because an Islanders team where. You could have, it was pretty much a four point swing where if you won, you gain two points on them and then they don't gain any. So now you're only two points back of them. But now they're at 74. You're still at 68. The Panthers won. The Penguins won. You're tied with Ottawa now and they're ahead, ahead of us in the standings. Like the Sabres, like 
yeah, we have games in hand, but like we're not winning those games in hand. And like these head to head matchups that really matter, like we we came up short. Like I know we're we'll get into it, like that third goal, like if it should have been counted or not. But like I don't know, these are games that like seem like they should be winnable. Like how look how we played against Tampa Bay. Like that's I know they're on a slide, but they're still one of the best teams in the Atlantic and in the East. And right. You know, we were able to pretty much dominate them, cause them to scratch their third line or first line for the third period. And then you have a game like Columbus that should have been an easy win, easy two points, and you fall on your face. So, like, I think the thing is, like, yeah, we have a young team and, like, there's going to be some inconsistency. And then we'll get in, also get into, like, the lineup and all that and, like, who should be in and out of the lineup. I think we all agree some certain player should be out of lineup. Um, but it's just like finding a consistent groove to make a playoff push because it's like you're kind of not necessarily shooting yourself in the foot, but you're not helping yourself when you have a prime opportunity with all these games in hand to make a run. Yeah, I think it's also I think it's frustrating also from just the fan perspective of the Islanders had four days off before this game and the Sabres had to play on a back to back. I just think that was kind of you know that kind of ruined like the aspect of the game because you knew like one team had an obvious advantage over the other. Yeah, but I mean that's kind of life, so you can't really complain about that. It's just the last two nights are frustrating. I mean it's it's just it's frustrating from the perspective of you lose by a goal. And you don't get any points. It's not like and I think that's that's kind of been the story of the season for the Sabres. I mean, I mean, what they want when they won that eight game losing streak. I don't think they lost a single game in overtime or a shootout or maybe one. Like they just didn't. They weren't even getting points during that stretch. And I think that's that's the tough part um, for the Sabres is that you know you look at the couple of their games that they lost throughout the season. Like if they just would have lost those in overtime, they'd be in far better position. And now it feels like. They had to win like seventy percent of their like seventy points percent of like the remaining points they have left, and that just seems kind of, you know, if all the injuries and stuff, that doesn't seem very doable at the proper moment, uh, unless they go on a huge run, which obviously I think they're capable of doing, and there's a reason why their playoff chances are not zero, but I would say it's more likely than not that they don't, which is just, I mean, it's just it's it's, it's disappointing, but, um. I don't know. It's it's just kind of disappointing. I think it shows the warts and the. I mean, games like this, moments like this when you fall short, it just shows that there's certain people who just like can't be on the roster next season. They want to be a serious team. Yeah, I I think it's just Sabres fans. All right, been through the ringer. Okay, not unlike Bills fans. I mean, ever ever the. Buffalo sports fans, all right, minus Bandits fans, somehow they've won a couple championships, you know. They've broken the curse. It's just this is this is what happens. You get excited, right? You get excited, and then granted, their chances aren't zero. Okay, I'll admit to that. But a win last night would have been exponentially better in helping <laughs> our chances. Exponentially yeah. better. Yeah, than, that's true. And it's just I don't know. It, it, as Dom said, try so hard, come so far, but in the end, it doesn't even matter because we're sitting on our couches in the month of March watching play playoff hockey. You know, like it's just like, like I don't know. It's 
it's tough. It is because the flaws of the roster being shown. Exactly. Exactly. That 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 they is. They didn't something... do anything to address defensive depth. No. You have a guy like, you know, Samuelson, who's a good defensive defenseman, but is starting to prove. I think, you know, Don made this point either on the script or, uh, talking about it. But like, he's proving that he can't play eighty-two games. Like, he's gonna get banged up. You know, mm-hmm. there's so much weight on Darlene's shoulders, like, and he's not even like he's really good, but his main focus isn't defense either you know he's more of an offensive defenseman you have a guy like jacob bryson who's i don't know a pile on at times and just really not good you know you got i know there's like like why didn't we do anything to address the depth like same with goaltending like we don't have that goalie who can stand on their head and win us games steal us games like you know the islanders aren't the best team but they do have someone like sorokin who could easily take over a game and steal it for them like we didn't do anything to address that either. It's like, yeah, we add Jordan Greenway. Like that was a need. We needed like a power forward and all that. But at the same time, why didn't we add another defenseman? Where, you know, it's definitely needed because like right. out of our out of our top three of Dowling Samuelson power, like who else has been effective this season? Yeah, like really no I mean, one. The, so the I don't know why they one goal. So I mean. Oh. And yeah. the goalie Lukanen has more points than Jacob Bryson, so I mean that that in itself is a pro moment. So. I, I would I would say Labushkin's played, you know, for getting uh, not playing very well the first half and rightly getting called out, has played pretty solid the second half of the season, and like has shown that he's at least, you know, a bottom pair right shot defenseman. So I think he's like the only one. Like Yogi Haru is just so inconsistent, where it's like I don't even know what to think on him. Like Good I old think. Henri. Like, I feel like most of the season, like, he's been solid, but then you have, like, stretches when the top guys miss that he just gets exposed. And it's like, okay, like, you're just a bottom pair. Like, okay. Like, I mean, like, definitely didn't hit his potential. I, mm-hmm. I think the frustrating thing, and I think this is mostly fact, especially for at least, in my opinion, for the Edmonton game, but, like, I feel like if Samuelson plays, they win the Edmonton game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they have – they have a better obviously they have a better chance of winning than yesterday. I mean, they kind of got a little bit dominated, but they were on the back to back, so I'm not really that concerned about it. But I just think you know, Mike Lou did like Samuelson. You know, I know I was I drank a lot of hate of rage from Samuelson before he was in the NHL. Yep, mm-hmm. I've taken the L on the fact that I think he's not only just a very good NHLer, but I think he's a top four D man. But I think at this point, you have to wonder if he can stay healthy a whole 82 games, as you alluded to. Like he was the guy. Last year, that got banged up multiple times. Did got sent down to Rochester at the for their playoff run and didn't play a single game because he got injured at the end of the year by I think an Austin Matthews wrist shot. Like, and then this year they were like three ten and two without him in the beginning of the season. And like, yes, do I think Samuelson's a like individually Samuelson? I don't think is like the difference between the Sabers going three ten two and whatever they are. I think that like that get that that the record in itself gets outplayed for how valuable Samuelson is. It just shows how much they don't have the depth if they lose one of their top three guys and how in the offseason, yeah, they had to figure out a short-term goalie. I think that might be number one on their list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think 1A, 1B is figuring out another, like, mid-eating top four defenseman. Because I'm telling you right now, it's not Ryan Johnson. Like, you, Ryan Johnson, well, I think he's pro-ready. We've seen the Sabres go slow on this. He's probably going to start in the AHL, even though I think he could be a bomb pair right away. Like, they had to find a way in either trade or free agency to find another top four defenseman because 
you know Samuelson's going to miss 10 to 15 games a year, and you can't afford to have Henry Yoki Haru be your number three defenseman when that happens. Like, that's just – it can't happen again. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the reason why you're in this position. And, then, like, looking at, like, the trades, if we, like, just go back for two seconds, like, Greenway, I think, is a nice move. Yeah. By two more years or three mil, a little pricey for, like, the amount of offensive production he's had this year. But I think – I mean, Tyson Yost went from that system to this system and flourish. I think Greenway, the last the two games, have played pretty well. I mean, he had a nice screen on that Oposo goal. I thought he had some nice chances uh, against Edmonton as well. So that's a cool move. The Aspen move, my king, my guy. Sad to see that man leave for just a seventh, measly seventh-round pick. Again, that's it seems like to be a vibes trade. I just think it, that that's just, I don't know, it's just sad that he kind of got the odd man out, even though he kind of, deserve it to this season because of his play but yeah sad to see the king go i mean people wanted trades though and they got their trades so that that i mean that's died down quite a bit you know but i don't know it's just I'm sorry to pick up just one second um yeah sorry. just like my one point like i 100 agree with mike on the fact that i think they should have done more at the trade deadline like with the defense and stuff like only riley stillman obviously he gets knocked out in his first game yeah know. He's probably like MIA for the rest of the season, pretty much. But like the one thing I will say is that there it wasn't like there was moves really other than the chicken deal that was like, all right, like I don't know why the Sabres didn't like the Sabres could have topped this very easily. Like it wasn't like I mean Nick Jensen signed an extension with Washington. Like Rasmus Sandin, who I think would be been interesting, was from the Leafs. They would probably never trade to the division rival, and he got traded for a first round pick which the Sabres didn't have, like have an extra first jump pick, I should say. So like there wasn't like a move from a, like uh, that, that depth kind of number four defenseman that I was like, okay, like, I don't know why the Sabres didn't like Susie or buddy will Borgen from Seattle. Like no, those guys mo- went anywhere. So it's not like we saw like Rackle Gudas for a third round pick. And we're like, why don't we just like throw one of our second round picks at that? Like there wasn't like, that but I, I the sentiment still reigns true in the Austin. They have they have to improve the depth of the roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, talk about. I mean, we call the Bills offensive, or I call the Bills offensive line a slice of Swiss cheese. This defense is grated Parmesan. Mm-hmm. There's nothing going on there. It's, it's just powder, right? Like it's just. I I I get so baffled by the cheese references today. Sorry, man. The inner Italian's coming out of me. Um, it's just. <laughs> It's disappointing because our offense plays very well most games, right? Yes, neutral zone. It's like you you do see some muffed passes and turnovers there, right? But that high-flying style of offense brings that, and we just don't have the the defense to play that kind of offense at this point. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's to the point where – yeah, we can get we can throw the puck down into their end and get it around there, but God forbid they do that to us. We've got no one back there. You know, it's just unless Darlene's out there, but you see what he's injured too, like the past week, it, it was bad. Like it was scary. Like you didn't know what was gonna happen. And I think it's just necessity at this point. We have the offense somewhat figured out. Leave that be. Make this offseason about defense, like short-term things and a short-term goalie solution before Devin Levi inevitably makes his appearance in a Sabres yeah. uniform in that goal. Well, no, I, I know I it. No, I was, I was just going to, okay. I was just going to say, um, you know, it doesn't help having Alex tuck out either. Yeah. And you have Jack Quinn. He like, I'd say he has played well on the top line, but 
like you know you have someone like kind of now you have a guy like um Hinnestros in the lineup who's played I would say he's, he's played decent he's played good like I'm not yeah, gonna complain I, against him but like he's not a guy you want to have 82 games in a season so no. like I think that from that aspect that's fine for him filling in like you have the forwards the way I think it's fine it's serviceable but at the same time like you need to transition that to the defense like like I would say to an extent they have it figured out in offense to where in the forward group if someone goes out they have someone that could fill in and it'll be fine defense they don't yeah no I I would agree and you mentioned I mean, train, are you good if are you good if we move on here? Or you got? I will point? just briefly point out, like the only defenseman that I think you fully trust in your own zone is Jalene because he's been elite defensively this season for the first yeah. time, and he is a great puck mover. Like power, great. It's like a little bit of like everyone has like a. It's like four, three guys that have like one or the other really. Like power is an elite puck mover, but he's a rookie in his own end, kind of deer in the headlights. Yeah, Samuelson. Good defensively, solid puck mover. Wouldn't say he's an elite. And then Labushkin, very good defensively, but not a great puck mover. And then like, then you just get in the mix of like Bryce and Yokiharu, Clay, like just dudes that aren't really good at either. Like they they're decent at maybe moving the puck, but they're not good at all defensively. So yeah. I mean, it also comes down to the fact. I will say this: it's not all on the defenseman. Like I do think there are forwards on the team that aren't very good defensively, which you could survive. But they had to figure out a way to replace some of those guys that are purely one way, um, mm-hmm. that aren't even producing five on five offense, like <clears throat> Olson, um, and yeah. uh, the best open net goal scorer in the NHL. Yeah, replace him for actual defensive. But I think you know we're transitioning to the Quinn point of being on the top line. Like I do think it has now opened up my thoughts on like opening Tuck up to go to Cousins or something like that because. Like, I feel like the top line really hasn't missed too much of a beat. I know maybe a little bit, like, offensively, they're not as great because, you know, Tuck is so is a little better at this stage of his career than Quinn. But Quinn defensively, like, I think that was the big fear, especially in Rochester, of, like, he was kind of a one-way forward and how that wouldn't really transition in the NHL. My man is playing, like, an elite two-way defensive forward. And you could see on that line because both Skinner and Thompson dip. Yeah, uh, defensive zone and like Tuck was very good like last year and being two way and then this year he's kind of like kind of not done his defensive responsibility as much like he's kind of gone for offense but like yeah Quinn, Quinn's been very good in his own zone I think it helps out you know Skinner and Thompson and it frees up Alex Tuck to go help uh you know be yeah. on Dylan Cousins wing and that yeah that I'm 100% on board with I think you keep Quinn on the top line I I I'm a, I'm a believer in that. I think you you. It's not a skill question. It's not a question of skill that Tuck's being mm-hmm. moved down to the second line. But Tuck and Cousins actually like. It's not like they don't have chemistry with each other. Like it's just helping you know Cousins I mean? out so that yeah. he's not like alone and all that. Like you know right. when we you know I remember we drafted Jack Quinn and it's kind of like why did we take him? Like <laughs> that wasn't the best pick, but like like I think he's developed properly. I think he's being, you know, he started out like as a bottom six role. There were games where he was scratched and all that. Like, I think now he's kind of shown that he is pro ready. Like, obviously, he's in his first year, so he's not going to be that elite uh, top six forward that we hope he can be. Like, he's not 
he was never a generational prospect or anything. We don't expect him to contribute right off the bat, but he has been contributing well. And I think a few years from now, you know, you got to think he will, we're going to have a problem. It'll be a good problem, but we're going to have too many top six forwards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but like you said, good problem to have. They already kind of have that, uh, the mindset problem, I would say, of like there's too many guys that think they're top six forwards. Like, yeah. If they reroute some of those people's mindsets, I think they'd be solid. And I think they mm-hmm. started to do that. I think you saw that. I think they did that with Peyton Krebs. Like, I think a lot yeah. of people thought he could be like a top six forward. And now they kind of made him that third line, defensive. fourth line center, defensive minded center. And it's played out really good. He's played well. Yeah, I think you yeah. saw it also. I mean, to give credit to Chris, too, I think you saw it with Middlestad as well. Like, I think he's kind of transitioned his game more to like a third liners kind of game. That's why he's, a, he's still able to produce all those points, and they're not even cheap secondary assists anymore. No, I <laughs> mean, <laughs> Middlestad's actually throwing points on the board, which is, I mean, I'll give him me, credit. I, like, I, I, yeah. I started the year saying he shouldn't have even been in the lineup. No, nope. and I think we all now, did. I think that was the now I'm not very clear. No, I, I will fully admit that I said he should be. In the press box, but I mean, you were but, wrong. I mean, you weren't wrong for a couple months in the season, so yeah. But what was that graphic you pulled up, Dom? His and who else's performance compared to the rest of the team at one point? You you you, you yanked that up, and I don't remember, but it was yeah. like nothing. Like it was so bad. Yeah, it's night and day. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I just think it's frustrating seeing. It's a little frustrating, I guess, from my perspective, of seeing Quinn have so much success and then Paterka struggling so much. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't really know how to fix them right now. Like, I don't think sending down to Rochester is a great idea. I do think they sort of paper transition transaction him down so that he could go for like the playoff run, like mm-hmm. not for the playoff, but like when the Saber season ends. Like maybe he could get a couple games down there to get his confidence up. I just think he's going way, way too fast. And like, I think Quinn's been very solid. Like slowing, like Quinn slowing down now, making individual moves. Like, I feel like Paterka right now is all speed, and we like he had some chances before he came out of the lineup, but on five on five, I just feel like he's just speed, 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 and he's like deer in his headlight in his own end, and he's not really producing that much offense because he's just every time it feels like he has like a puck battle, he's kind of losing. Like, I think, I think he definitely has a lot to um, improve on. Uh, mm-hmm. for next yeah, no, absolutely. I mean. It'll be interesting. It shall be interesting. I, I That's just where I'm at at this point because the playoff hopes aren't dashed, but they kind of are. Like, the fire's just smoldering at this point, I feel like. We we took a pee on it at the end of the night, you know, and just doused it a little bit. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. What do you – it's just I, – I don't want to say it's doom and gloom, right? We're talking about all this good stuff. There's still a happening. chance. I mean, we have games yeah. in hand. Like Yeah, right. We just have games that we need to win and – you know, these some of these games that we should win and need to win, we just haven't. But I don't know. They'll like it's this is kind of what I expected. Like we're in the conversation and it's right. March now. So like I think that's what we all wanted. I don't think realistically any of us sat here at the beginning of the year saying we were a playoff team. So like I'm not gonna be like, yeah, I'll be like sad if we don't make the playoffs, but it's not like No, it's a I'm W be, at like, the end of the day. Yeah, I'm not gonna be up in arms because like we did improve, like I would say next year we have to make the playoffs. And then if we don't, something's wrong. But I think this was a year to where you develop some of your young players. Now they're going to have experience. And next year they're going to be able to translate that and be able to make a playoff push. You just got to address the depth that D 
defense and find a goalie. Yeah. yeah. Again, like it's it's just about like overall positive season, a lot more positive negatives. It's, it's gonna be frustrating when they're most likely going to miss the playoffs again. But again, they, I never had a mandatory playoff. No, I had to make it, so I don't think anyone yeah. else I, I I did, and I know I said they were making a run to the cup, but let's just face it, that was an exaggeration on my end. But so yeah. before we do predictions and recap, I just had to quote. I, you know, I quoted Lincoln Park. I quoted Lady Gaga. <laughs> it's time for me now to quote Jason Bowell. They're playing competitive games in March. It's all we could ask for. Yeah, there we Honestly. go. I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Honestly, that's all we want for them. Now, obviously, they gotta take a little bit more. But okay, so they have. If we're going to do the pot again on Wednesday, they have three games, home against Dallas, home against the Rangers in Toronto. Record prediction. 3-0. Who are they playing? Toronto, Dallas, New York Rangers, Toronto. They're going to go 1-1-1. Dude, why do you keep taking mine? I should just, I should go before you. I'm just going to go 2-1 just to be different. All right. I think 1-2 is a little too harsh. I think they, I think... They, you know, they light the fire and they just absolutely cook. I, like, I said that say. last week. <laughs> what? You thought I was going to say cook? I could, I could have like, if you stopped talking and then they did like a blank on what Joe was going to say next, I would have put cook. Yeah. Dude, um, Kevin Adams, wait. that picture of him in sunglasses. Yeah, no, I'm sticking one, one, one. Cause they'll beat the Rangers cause they're wearing goat heads. <laughs> I think they're going to get caved by Toronto and over. Like, I just have a feeling I'm going to be hearing hollow notes like every 10 seconds and then i think we go to overtime against dallas and something stupid will happen and they'll score nice all right um okay so the goals leader last week were cousins and skinner with two cousins has goals in back back games point leader skinner occasion cousins with three um joe went two for two so did mike i went one out of two because i had double tage so joe you're up. All right. I am going to go. I'm going to go skin dog. I'm going skin dog on this one for the for the goals. Skin dog. Okay. <laughs> Play Whitney. And then let's go. Hmm. Who's a little out there? I have. I want to I want to reach out on this one. What are we thinking? Middle stat. We'll run with him one more time. He's getting oh, points. I'm going middle stat. Okay. Mm. Mm. I'm gonna say I don't want to. Uh, uh, I kind of want to go out there, but like not super out Dude, there. It. It's three games. Okay, I'm gonna go out there. <laughs> oh, for goals, put on your Sunday clothes. It's gonna be Tyson Ghost. <laughs> Let's go. I like that. And for points, it's going to be Jordan Greenway. No. Double wild, boys. Yep. I'm going to take our buddy Jeffro, like Joe, and Darlene finally gets some points. All right. I like it. I like it. Mike, and all honestly, I hope you get two points. I, I genuinely Honestly, do, You know what? You know what? Like That, would, that well. would be sick. That would be sick. If, maybe if Tyson actually... Joe scores a hat trick. Maybe Jordan Greenway like just picks up a few apples. Like We'll, well see what happens. All you listeners out there, you heard it here first. Tyson Joe scores his hat trick this coming week. So, uh, you know, any credit, 
anyone who says that now, that's that's from Mike Marino in the Buffalonian podcast. So uh, I think that does it for our Sabres talk, fellas. Anything else anyone wanna anyone wants to throw in there? Lawrence Pilot got sent back down. Nice. Could have seen that coming. Thanks for um, yourself, Lawrence. Yeah. Jeez, KHL vet right there. But oh, yeah, that's gonna do it. For our Sabres talk here, we're going to let them cook for about a week, and then we'll come back. We'll get back to you. But Dom's got the would you rather on the day. Wow. We've had – Mike and I have had a couple good ones. I think last week we had to do one by ourselves, right, Mike? Two weeks ago. No, two two, weeks. no, last week was the one where it was would you, like missing the event. Oh, uh, shoot. I Two weeks ago, it was me and you, right, Dom? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot to ask you no, that one, Mike. Was with Mike. Yep. Yeah, no, uh, it was just us. No. All right. Anyway, Dom's my would rather. I'm going to go out there. You know, we, we focus a little bit on football and hockey, maybe a couple of the big four. I'm going to do a complete random one. Okay. Your life's on the line. Would you rather have to bowl a strike or hit the bullseye on a dartboard? Bowl a strike? Are you kidding me? I've actually Dude. done it. I've actually hit the bullseye on a dartboard. Okay, I'm not not even kidding. An Italian exchange student ran. How about, up to how about me this? I'll change it. University the, the, bull, the, the, it. the bullseye on the dartboard is probably left off. How about this? You can't hit like just the number on the dartboard. So like you get hit one on like the double, the triple points, the fifty points, the twenty five points of bullseye. No, there's no way I can do that. My like eyes are too bold. my eyes are too poor to do. I'm that. taking bowl. I'm taking the the dartboard. Oh no, I'm really. Bad I'm definitely. That. I'm doing the bowling. I think you no get me. If I have no all ten up. frames. No, 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 no. All... one shot. We only have one, one shot. Ball. No, no, I'm sticking. Up. I'm still sticking with bowling because I feel like with darts, I'd like miss the board or something. Literally, literally, all you do is you put on your bowl. Like you, you, the only thing you're allowed to do is put on bowling shoes. Can I like? Can you... I can go through a few different balls though. Like no, I can. No, they give you one ball. They just give you a ball. They just give it to me? Yeah. What like, if I get like a three-pounder for a child that my fingers don't even fit in? I mean, we got to be more specific than that. Then you got to do the the no. No, no, no. I'm still no. sticking with the strike. No. I'm going I'm going with the darts because I've, I feel like I would have more control over that situation. With bowling, if you get a bad bounce from a pin that just dodges another one, you're not going to Have you seen the pro dart players, like when they have a perfect game? It is no. one of the most, like... <laughs> <laughs> exhilarating experiences ever like right. it is oh, insane. i can imagine because yeah, they're imagine like it's like they're literally right next like all in the line right with each other and he's yeah. like doing, it's like how is that even possible imagine being that dialed in to perform yeah, that kind yeah. of a task so i i had a second would you rather because i thought that would be quick i would also do the bowling just because give like, that I, man 40 million dollars not daniel jones would honestly. you rather would you rather <laughs> suit ball on the line you're losing or you're winning would you rather have your opponent kick a 50-yard field goal for the win or you kick the 50-yard field goal for the win? If they miss, you win. If you miss, you lose kind of situation. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Who's the Ooh. kicker? T-Bass? Uh, like, who's my kicker and who's their kicker? I guess, dude. Uh, like, Matt Vinatieri? I'm just going to say, like, if you were in Madden, they're, they're both 80 overall kickers. Okay, so could be the all same. right. I'm not going to give names because like, I don't want bias. I don't want that person. They're, they're well, I'm more as a user, I'm more likely to miss than the AI because I'm not talking like... mad. I'm talking real life. I'm talking <laughs> like we're, we're literally in, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not talking mad. I'm talking we're watching mm. the Super Bowl. One dude, your uncle has like nachos all over his shirt. Like you're praying nice. to God that they make or they're praying to God that they miss. Like, which one I think 
before. Oh man, I don't oh, know why. Man. I don't know. Ryan Bright's kind of startling, but I don't know if I have to feel comfortable with the opponents kicking a game-winning field goal. I think I'd rather kick the field goal. I'd rather have the game in my hands. I feel yeah. like than put it in someone else's because I don't want to be at the mercy of the other team. The, I mean, we've seen that. Yeah, we've seen that in the with the Chiefs. We we put the game in their hands and they execute. I mean, we've seen it both ways. I would I mean, rather I, lose Scott Norwood wise than thirteen yeah. seconds wise. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I'd rather lose again. Yeah, I'd rather lose Scott Norwood missing field goal than like Adam Vinatieri during those early Patriot years of making a game-winning field goal directly down the middle. Yeah, yeah, I don't well, know. Actually, would you rather? Yeah, no, that was nice. good. I liked them. Yeah. yeah, that was good. That was good. But now, I feel like we need like trivia music. We need like game show music to introduce Mike for this. Like, it's always quiet. Like I feel like Family Feud should be playing right now. In the background or Jeopardy, you know, but Mike, okay, I can't. Don't buy the Family Feud board game. We've tried it, horrible. Not like the TV show at all. (laughs) Don't buy the Dead by Daylight board game because it doesn't exist. Oh, that's the personal jab right there. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Bring it. Bring it in. Man's not even here to defend themselves. No, no, (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Did he get? I was. I was promised a Dead by Daylight board game by Halloween, and it is now March. And that's on uh, Dom's triplet brother, Patrick, falling yeah, 115, through on that one. 115. Anyway, we'll <laughs> go into trivia here. We'll start with the Bills question. So, obviously, you know, we've had some good receivers. We have Diggs. We've had Eric Moulds, Andre Reid. Um, throughout the Bills' history, how many times have wide receivers eclipsed 1,000 receiving yards in the season? Just like how many instances? Number of, time, number of times? Yes, they're like. Now I'm not looking for how many players. I'm looking for how many instances. So like, it's going to repeat for some players. Twenty. Yeah, I'd say like twenty to twenty-five. I'll go twenty-five. I'll go on the high end. Twenty-four. Mm. So Diggs has the two highest. Yeah, I figured that. But. Yeah. No. 24 times a Bills receiver has eclipsed 1,000 yards. And I'm seeing, like, like here, Diggs, Eric Moulds, Andre Reid, Lee Evans, Peerless Price, Lewis, Dominion, and Stevie Johnson, James Lofton, James Lofton, John Brown, Sammy Watkins, forgot about that one. Yeah. Cole Beasley so, almost on the list. Almost Briscoe. He might. So, what, watch him stay next season. It would have been 25 if he didn't break his leg. <laughs> Usually at 967 in 2020. So, but yeah, so just kind of interesting there. Um, Sabres question, kind of another thing here. So, how many, how many players in Sabres history average more than a point per game in their Sabres career? In their Sabres career? In their Sabres career. Like just number of players all time that that's happened. Yeah, how many, how many players in Sabers history average a point per game or higher? All right, just with the Sabers. I feel like this is a high number, but I also don't. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go five. I'm gonna go eleven. It is nine. <clears throat> Really? Can you tell me can who who's many? who's the top of the list? Well, bonus trivia. Well, Pally Lafontaine. It is Pat Lafontaine. It is McGill's yeah. probably on there. Pat Lafontaine's number one at one point four four. 
Okay, Magoni's two at one point one seven. Is Dale Howard Chuck at one point one three? Gilbert Perot at one point one one. Phil Housley on the list. Rene Robert one point oh five. Danny Briere one point oh two. Rich Martin one oh two. Pierre Turgeon at one. And this is this is kind of uh, cheesy. But Francois Lacombe played in one game and had an assist, oh. so that technically counts. He played in one game for the Sabres in 1970. Oh, so. my God. Wow. That what technically a, counts as a point per game in his Sabres career. What a scam. That was a good one. Wow. So, oh, God. nine guys. Nine players total. Danny, who just missed? Danny Gare is at, like, point nine nine. Uh, Dave Anderchuk, point nine six. Jack Eichel, point nine five. Tuck's at point nine three. Oh, wow. Housley point nine two, so like I thought Housley was on that list. So Housley had five fifty eight and six oh eight. So one of the best Sabres coaches of all time. Bill Housley was a great assistant coach. I mean, he showed that in Nashville. He just wasn't the head coach. What do you got? Um, What 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 category are we in for the? We got a bandits question. All right, all right. Final question: How many playoff appearances do the bandits have? Playoff appearances total. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say twenty. I'm twenty. Yeah. I'm just gonna go twenty. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna go first answer. I'm going twenty five on this one. No, twenty five. Oh, They've been together like thirty three years. I want to say it's twenty two appearances, right in the middle. So well, not technically. Technically, technically, you're closer. Yes, yes. <laughs> what am I supposed to say? 20, 20, 22 and a half playoff appearance? Right. <laughs> no, like, like, half of playoff appearance. Yeah, half of playoff appearance. <laughs> so technically, you're right. You're kind of right halfway through this season. They're in the playoffs. So, yep, twenty-two. So, a lot of numbers today, but it's all right. Yeah, I mean, hey, some good questions though. But without further ado, that's going to end it for this edition of the Buffalonian podcast. I'm Joe Kelly. I was joined by Dom Loss and Mike Marino. And Dom, how do you always end these? Go Bills, baby. Go Bills. Go Sabres.